You're listening to a DM podcast. All right, hello and welcome to Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I'm Jules, and today Stocks and I went behind the podcast with James Laidler from the Lit Poetry Podcast. Stocks, what do you think? Man, I wish I had this when I was at school. Kind of like Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann really opened up my mind on what Shakespeare could be like. Uh, similar thing with this. I mean, it really brings it to life. Much more appreciation. Maybe I'm just getting old, man. But I really, really, <laughs> really like this podcast. I think I was the same. I think I started to appreciate the poetry. I mean, it's definitely better than the old kind of English classes that we sat through and, and no disrespect to previous English teachers. I think probably, you know, my mind just might not have been in the right place at that time. Um, but it was great listening to a few of these uh, episodes and hearing him break down the poetry and just kind of really going into detail about, you know, what they're trying to get at through through their words. It's amazing how timeless poetry is, isn't it? I mean, the longevity of some of the stuff. He's covering all the classics and how current and contemporary, I guess, some of the themes are. It's very interesting. Absolutely. I mean, classics right through to modern days and even his own. And as you said, yeah, the themes, I mean, shit, like some of those things never change, though you thought they would have over time. But anyway, he does accompanying videos as well. So if you want to kind of have a look at those, I'm sure he'd appreciate a subscribe and a few views. But yeah, let's get stuck in. James, tell us about Lit Poetry. So Lit Poetry is a sort of brainchild um, of, of my own that um, came up in uh, a strange way out of COVID lockdown. Um, I'm a teacher, I'm a writer, I'm a poet. I've done performance poetry and uh, a raft of other uh, things like that. And it sort of got born out of this, um, oh, this creative urge to, to, to be more, to, to make more, to do more. Um, and I just love poetry. And I suppose um, as a teacher of poetry, one thing that I'm aware of is that just how inaccessible the, this art form actually is to a lot of people. And I think that's really just down to lack of exposure. And also that sometimes it can, there can be a bit of a, uh, a block for people. They, they get a bit intimidated by it. Because sometimes poetry is, you know, it's, it's, it's open for inter- interpretation and, and it's difficult to sort of fathom. So the goal of lit poetry is basically to, to fuse really beautiful music with um, imagery because I, I run a YouTube channel as well um, and with uh, voiceover artists. So I hire voiceover artists through Fiverr um, from all around the world actually. I've, I've developed some fantastic relationships with musicians and all sorts of different um, artists and uh, we've been working on some of the, the, you know, some of the greatest po- poems ever written and trying to create them in a way that really makes them more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lit Poetry does that. It creates poetry that is um, provocative and um, deep and meaningful and you can get in sync with uh, musically. And then it also offers a, an analysis of the, of the poetry. And I think when people go on this journey, um, uh, and it's, a, it's quite a gentle journey, uh, we break down poetry and, you know, we hope to give people the skills so that then they can go and dabble in poetry themselves. Because poetry, is, it's not something about, you know, when you get a poem is necessarily knowing exactly what it's about straight away. It's, it's a mysterious world that sort of opens up the ideas and you, that you sort of tussle with and struggle with and um, it's, it's an enriching experience. I suppose, and it really is counterculture in, in that we live in a world that seems to be really polarised. It's like you either believe this or you believe that. And poetry kind of sits in the middle and it forces you to engage with difficult ideas and sort of mix up, you know, mix up things in your mind. And I think that's, that's partly, I see, as a really um, 
good antidote to a lot of the problems we see in the world. You know, it, it creates dialogue, um, it creates discussion, it creates um, thought-provoking sort of um, moments, I think. Um, and it's got a rich history. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of people don't realise, you know, that, you know, a lot of, I mean, I assume that some of your uh, listeners to this podcast would be, you know, right into rap and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, rap and all that sort of stuff, that, there's a genesis Absolutely. there, you know, it comes out of the beat generation, it comes out of poetry, and a lot of the, you know, the hallmarks of great rap, you know, are poetic, you know, and they, and, and, the, be, and the best poets that you'll, you, you know, you'll find around the place actually, you know, they deep dive into the, into the language as well, it's not just about the music, it's actually about the words and just how the words work, um, which is yeah. really... The Doors and Jim Morrison, I mean, they basically put their music to his poems. Yeah, that's right. And um, what flowers in the concrete was is Tupac's yeah. book. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So a, a lot of um, rap artists have actually made that tradition, and they've written poetry as well. And so, yeah, and, and I suppose the, the part, uh, part of the aim of poetry is to is to to promote the work of poetry because they often uh, get lost sometimes in 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 the in the in the culture, and they're doing some great stuff. And Australia has a really fantastic landscape of um, poets who are really out there and pushing pushing the boundary. And so, you know, in the next epi- uh, series of lit poetry that's coming up, I've actually got, I think, about eight uh, contemporary Australian poets who have signed on with me. And so I'm turning one of their uh, poems into a, you know, like a, a video music poem. And then we're going to talk about it um, on the podcast, which is really exciting because then you actually, you not only get my analysis of the poem, you get their insights into what they're thinking. Why are they writing it? Because... Poetry, the good thing about poetry mm. is that, one, it sort of holds up a mirror to society, so it's really po- it can be really political and it can be really um, insightful just looking at society and what's what's wrong with it and what's right with it. But it also often hones in on those little moments of the everyday. And, you know, in our rush of, of living, sometimes we just stop to sort of, you know, we don't stop to smell the roses. You know? And, you know, you, can, you could have a, a poem about just a, about a cup of tea or something and it can be profound and it can take you to a, a pretty, pretty good place um that can open your eyes and just you know give you a sense of peace and that sort of thing so yeah it's it's multi multifaceted it's been quite a ride it's been a fantastic journey i've Mm. been on um yeah born out of covid lockdown uh do you want to tell us a bit about your history i mean you've mentioned that you're a director and a poet and a teacher yourself um how did when did you start teaching and everything i know that you know speaking personally Growing up and, and going to English classes and things like that, you know, maybe poetry, you know, the delivery and the accessibility wasn't always there and it wasn't easy to no, kind of engage no. with it. And I think listening to this just does kind of break these down really yeah. well in a way that does make it, you know, accessible. And I wish I'd had when I was <laughs> at school. Yeah, yeah exactly. and look, I think that's a breakdown because it, there's a whole lot of te- English teachers out there themselves don't like teaching it because they don't understand it. You know, it's um, it's something that yeah. I think English teachers are largely de-skilled in, and they need need some help, and and that's why the resources are there as well. Um, but you're right. So I, I teach poetry, and it ends up often being the favourite thing kids do because, like, in in basically in in a lesson, you can throw kids in the deep end, and they can be like pulling apart big ideas and and being excited about words. But it's all about in you know the presentation. Like poetry is not those little limericks and quaint little poems that you read you know, get exposed to in uh, high school. And that's what a lot of people have this impression. It's, it's not that at all, you know. Uh, it's something quite, quite else. You start from, you know, quite far back, obviously. It's an art form that's been around yep. forever. 
so you know your your series itself goes from Lewis Carroll you know through to the present day and as you're talking about people who are yeah. very very contemporary where you're helping them explain their poems that they've yeah. you know, recently written finding those through lines and things like that for for students and just the general listener I think is just a fantastic thing and yeah it is and and, and usually it speaks to uh, students at their level so you know so if you you look at some of Emil, Emily Dickinson's poetry or sylvia plath you know when i'm teaching that with kids for instance you know it, it, it opens up that real big discussion about where the you know where uh, where is the struggle for women women's rights at at the moment and, and what what do women actually face and it gives it allows you know particularly the females in the class to really open up and to name things that they're, they're not often allowed or feel free to name it can be really liberating i, I know just recently i, I did a poem by Ocean Vong um, about a, a, a gay couple that got burnt to death in their house in um, Texas in in the in the USA. Uh, it's amazing, um, just a, this astounding astounding poem. Um, and again, it sort of opens up this sort of pathway to empathy and trying to analyse how could that happen in a society, which is is kind of crazy. And, and it's an amazing poem. It's one. It's I think it's about episode eight in the in the last podcast about and and the whole poem is about how the poet has created uh, a play on uh, Dante's um, levels of hell. So way back in the day, uh, Dante does the, um, all the levels of hell and, and basically... Yeah, the seven levels. Yeah, and the poet then transfers this onto... The, the hell is actually on Earth and it's in America um, with intolerance and all that sort of stuff and it flips all these... Um, these uh, old ideas of, of what hell actually is. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal poem. Um, so, you know, and I just love to see that. I, I love to see minds come alive to ideas for, for, for people to grow in empathy. It's a, just a great vehicle for that sort of stuff. It does. It shines a light on kind of how far we've come in a lot of ways, but then also how little progress we've made. I mean, you know, one of the Emily Dickinson ones that you focus on earlier on, yeah. just kind of like a lot of these kind of themes are still very, very relevant. And, you know, all this time has passed. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 she really struggled. You know, she she grew up in a, a very um, incredible story, uh, strongly cr- Christian, you know, uh, world where she was quite repressed. You know, and she she had lots of controversial um, feelings, which she locked up inside her. And her poetry is just you know, it's so beautiful. Um, but but you can you can feel that repression in it. Mm, yeah. um, and I think you know when people hear that they they hear a part of their own story, um, and it gives them voice and gives them the, f- the freedom to explore things which is fantastic mm, poetry is such a powerful medium you're an award-winning poet yourself <laughs> yeah some small awards yeah so I've, I've, I've written a couple i've written a verse novel um i've written some you know, quite a bit of poetry um yeah so my first novel which was my first published novel uh won an award um up in queensland the ip picks award uh it's a while ago actually and um yeah that's that story. So a verse novel is it's written in poetry, but it's actually a narrative from from the start to the to the end, um, and it's about uh, an East Timorese asylum seeker. So uh, my wife and I were ha- have a long history of being pretty involved in the East Timorese liberation movement that happened, you know, some twenty years ago. And you worked over there for um, a, a period of time as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I lived and worked over there and I wrote my second novel over there, Pulling Down the Star, Stars, which is just a, a, a normal novel. So I've written in you know, prose as well. And that was a great experience. I also worked over there um, on the East, East Timorese uh, first ever uh, feature film, which was fantastic. It was like a, an exchange between uh, Australian filmmakers who went over there and buddied up with um, 
uh, East Timorese and worked uh, side by side. Awesome. And it was basically detailing their, their story of um, what they went through under occupation. It was, <laughs> it was, it was probably my, my most profound and <sighs> favourite experience in my life, uh, working for that time on that, on that set. It was just amazing. Yeah. Do, do you remember where your love of the written language came from or started, where it began? I can't actually. It's, that's a really interesting question, and, and I'd like to be able to say it just sort of started wherever. I, I, I'm not sure. I think books, you know, were always the, my go-to place. You know, I had a sort of a, a difficult upbringing, um, and I think emotionally, when I was struggling, I would I would retreat into books, and then eventually I found poetry, and yeah, lines of poetry just brought me comfort, and they helped me understand the world. Um, and made me feel like you know I'm not alone in these feelings. Did they just kind of like jump out at you? Because yeah. I know that you know it, it's one of those art forms which can be a bit you know we've said this before kind of inaccessible if you don't kind of know the techniques and, and things like that. Yeah. But some people just snap with it straight away, and it's kind of like like jazz music or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was actually talking with someone about this the other day because you know, I've been reading poetry for years and I, I teach it, and I still come across po- poems and poets who I just I don't get. You know, and I read a poem, I go, I just, that's just, I, I don't hear the music in it. Mm. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't name those po- uh, poets online, <laughs> but I, you know, I just, and that, and that's part of the experience. It's, it's almost like it is different. We have different personalities and some poems, they hit us and they, they speak to us. Um, it's kind of like when you listen to music, some, some stuff you just get, it's you, it just hits a fire inside you and other stuff just goes, oh, that's not me. I just don't get that. So I, I wonder if it's just people are built in different ways or what it is about language. Um, yeah, but I think our human difference is exposed in that. And that's okay. That's that's part of it. It's funny. Like I was listening to one of yours as I was driving along and, and I was going up. It was the um, Municipal Gum by Nunuckle. Oh, yeah. And just kind yeah. of like going up. And yeah. it was up this road which had recently had all the trees just planted into the sidewalk. And it was quite like kind of yeah. affecting in that yeah. particular moment in time, just like seeing it in the context of what was actually happening and, and kind of how they meant it, you know, metaphor aside and everything, but like the, the actual, you know, planting of gum trees in, in the side of the road by the council. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a super poem. That's so powerful. And it's just so simple. It's so mm. simple and just straight go straight to your heart, you know, just to compare what it's like to be an Indigenous person to being a gum tree caught in, you know, surrounded by concrete and just sort of suffocating in this world. Yeah, yeah. It's like the perfect analogy. And I know, again, like I've used that in classrooms before, um, uh, lectured with it and stuff like that, and it is super, super powerful and it's another way for people to understand the issue because sometimes when people when you talk about indigenous issues or affairs, they're just ideas floating around yeah. in the ether. But when you attach it to an image, it's something that something else comes alive for people, and they go, "Oh, I can enter in. I can emotionally connect and understand what's going on here." To be indigenous is feeling like you're being choked out in your own society, which is pretty powerful. Oh, I absolutely. Think. You talk about language devices and everything a lot throughout your your podcast, but one of the things I thought was so interesting with that was just about personification and you know what that means for an yeah. indigenous poet and, and that kind of idea of you know personification yeah. means that this object is here and we are here and we're kind of trying to make this you know connection, yeah. but they are so connected with the yeah. land and everything that device almost is irrelevant. Yeah, and that's that's the amazing thing about that poem. And um, 
Yeah, because usually when I'm talking about personification, most poets use it as this sort of strategy. Mm. You know, and, and it's very thoughtful. But Nunaka just it, because of the Aboriginal spirituality, like there's this like blurring line where it, it's not it, it's, it's not even right to call it personification. It's just a part of the Aboriginal way of expressing. Yeah, which is just amazing. So, what was the um, inspiration to I guess move from a written word to the spoken word and start a podcast? Well, I suppose because I communicate in both modes. And I know, I, I think I'm reasonably effective in, in um, classrooms and that sort of thing. And I put a lot of emphasis on oral communication because often it, it is in the reading of work, you know, lifting those words off the page that you can actually even more deeply affect people. Um, and so I care about that deeply, a lot. And so I, I suppose it just makes sense to, to move into that realm. And, you know, podcasting, I just think, you know, it's just a great great mode it's perfect it's built perfectly for me it's um because because it allows me to do these things to fuse the two together to get words and then to make them jump to your senses to when you started this i mean you talked about the idea initially coming around during covid i, I know that you've had an arts council grant how did you go about getting that <laughs> well i just had a go really <laughs> um I've, I've had grants before, like when I was in Timor. It's a funny thing because I, I think some of my early work was pretty rough. I was, I'm, I'm learning the, the, the ropes and I still think it's developing um, big time. So that when you put together a podcast for people who are thinking about doing it, there's a lot of things to consider. And, and probably the biggest one of those, if you really want to, I think, start to get somewhere and to, and to feel, have a lot of pride in your work, you, the sound is critical. Um, and that, you know, in the end, I was looking at sound and going, geez, you know, I, I actually need some funds because in the end there is a, there's a little bit of a jump that, you know, requires some decent qu- equipment. Yeah. There is a big difference in microphone quality and, and stuff like that when, you, when you're producing your own work. So I just went, well, I need some equipment. I don't really have the funds um, to get there. And I managed to yeah, snaffle a bit of money, which allowed me to buy some pretty good equipment. Uh, which I think has sort of lifted my game quite considerably. When you're going for grants and you're looking at that sort of thing, you you got to have a basis. You got to you got to build from where you're at, and then once you feel like you have a body of work behind you, then that allows you then to that opens doors. So it's like a a continuum. So um, and and people should remember that that you know it, it can be really difficult to start feel like you're really struggling. Great. And what other ways have your show evolved over the first season, apart from the grant and the technology? I've been trying to, if you, you probably noticed it actually in the first season, I think some of the early podcasts were quite analytical and lacked a little bit of personality. So I think with podcasting, you need to, I've actually tried to put in elements of poetry actually into my delivery, into my mm. uh, into my podcast. So, you know, I introduced the podcast in a kind of evocative way, trying to draw in imagery and and engaged and then then you hear the poem and then I talk about it I think you know I finished uh with my own poem actually in episode 20 and and that's a storytelling poem where I I try to take people on a journey so I think I've moved when I was working on analysis on YouTube I was getting really technical because I saw a different sort of direction I was going and when I shifted to podcasting I've become more story driven and I and I like that so I I actually I actually pull back the technical details. I do I do a bit of it, but I'm doing less of it now. And I try to mix that more with the story elements. Um, so a bit of both, a blend. Um, yeah, because you've got you to hold people's attention. You've got to take them on a journey. Yes. And they got to they got to be able to feel something in that journey. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the process of actually writing the show. I mean, you write and host it. What, what's it like there? Do you script the full thing and, and read kind of verbatim? Or? 
I do. Yeah, yeah. I script the whole thing. My wife thinks I'm a workaholic because I hold down a full-time job with my lecturing and teaching. And then I've been pretty consistent over the last year, pretty much producing something over... I'm on one of my first breaks at the moment. I'm having a, um, probably six weeks off. Um, but I was producing a piece every week, which involved usually a two and a half thousand word um, research sort of essay that, that I didn't have to turn into a script that was engaging. Plus I'd have to produce, you know, hire voiceover artists and produce a poem worked up. I retreat in, uh, at night and go to work. That's what I do. Uh-huh. I love it, so... And so, do you want to tell us a bit about the the voiceover artists and the yeah. musicians that you work with? I know you know you credit a few people, yeah. like Simon Jackson, Lucy Freeman, Don Stewart, and Phil Freeman. Do you get them yep. through Fiverr? I mean, is there an audition process that you go through, or you know, do you quiz them on their poetry knowledge or anything? No, I just the ones I got, I actually I lucked out and I did a bit of sob story when I contacted them because I was pretty, I didn't have any money, and I said, like, you know, I want to do this project, and and they were the ones that sort of jumped at it. So and. It meant that their values were similar to me. It was about the art, and they've been fantastic. And actually, um, the American couple, who um, Lucy and, and Phil, done some astounding stuff for me. I'm just actually – they've just become pregnant. And um, one of the uh, podcasts, I actually interview Phil. We talk about the journey that, we, that we've been on and how they've really loved it. And I'm actually uh, sending them over a care package in the next week full of uh, Australian uh, chocolates and all sorts of stuff to because um, you, you need that when you're – when you're a pregnant couple, they've loved it. And in that podcast, you know, I think Phil really recognised the growth um, in lit poetry and where it's got to and how it's changed and evolved. There has to be an emotional authenticity and connection to the poetry. poetry. So I usually give them, I usually record poems in my own voice. And if if it's not suited to my voice, that's when I send it off. Mm. You know, I I try to be pretty honest with myself if it's not working. So I do the Australian, a lot of the Australian poems. My voice is all right for that. And I send these other ones off. And they're, They've just they've just really understood it, and they get it in, into the emotional world of it. So, do you remember what your original ad on Fiverr said? <laughs> what the pitch was? Oh, I, <laughs> I can't remember exactly. Um, yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you, unfortunately. But yeah, Fiverr's yeah, it's a very interesting platform. There's some really weird stuff on there. You can you can get people to do all sorts of weird stuff for you. <laughs> Voiceover is quite tame. And some people, when they're recording, you know, like they put ads up there and they've got terrible setups and their their sound is just atrocious. Um, but you can sort of you can tell. And are you you're sending off the script and saying, look, read it. Here's some notes, and then they send it back. Or are you actually hopping on a call and coaching them through it? No, I, I just I just write an email, and then I record myself in the emotional tone I'm trying to aim for. So, like, if it's a poem that's sort of like about a broken heart, then I have to try and you know get the vibe right, and I send it to them and say, but I just say, like, my voice is no good for this. This is what I want you to do. And, you know, some poems are angry, some are, some are happy. You know, there's all sorts of um, emotional landscapes that they have to um, uh, traverse. So, and they've been terrific. I mean, uh, Phil is in a, a pretty substantial band over there and they, they got stuck with lockdown. They went into, into Fiverr land because they couldn't get any gigs. Um, he's in this uh, band called Small Town Titans, which tours all around America. So, and he, and he writes uh, tra- um scores for video games and all sorts of stuff. Wow. And Lucy's quite an accomplished uh, musician as well. So just finding them and their politics is pretty similar to me, you know. Yeah. They really give a shit about life and they care deeply about things. And, you know, so they were just my sort of people. And What a great find. An- another five of success story. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Mm. <laughs> really been coming through with the goods for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, finding collaborators on Fiverr is a task in and of itself. But 
selecting the poetry that you want to talk about throughout the mm. seasons to come. How do you go about that? And, and do you kind of, you know, want to yeah. maintain a bit of uh, diversity around in both writers and when they were written? And Yeah, it's about diversity, you know, like and, and representing all voices. And I've tried to move through different historical periods and I've tried to move through, you know, making sure I have a, a good gender blend, um, looking at voices of minorities, people of different sexual bent and that sort of thing. And just, yeah, tr- trying to cast the net as wide as I can because I, I want just to place everything on the table for people to hear different perspectives they're not used to and to to discuss around that sort of reality. So, yeah, that's probably the philosophy of it. I don't want to be hemmed in in any particular style or type. You mentioned before you're going to be taking a little bit of a break after the first season and, you know, listening to the podcast, you, you mentioned that you're going to be doing a lot more interviews and things like that. Are there specific poets that you'd love to speak to? I mean, obviously, you know, the, the sands of time <laughs> fall in a certain way that mean that you, you know, it's more contemporary stuff that you're going to be talking to, but who, who's the dream list? I'd like to be able to access some of the big um, international poets and there's a process about that. And so I suppose in the next season, I've been really fortunate actually because I've got a couple of Australia's leading poets who have come on board. I'm already busy at work actually uh, getting the voiceovers and creating those poems. So that's sort of, that is happening. I'm still working on that probably too much according to my wife, probably not resting enough. But I also want to get on people who aren't poets. So I know in the next season I've got a couple of really interesting people. I've got uh, uh, Adam Bantz coming on from from the Australian Greens Um, and he's going to just nominate a poem and then I'm going to do that up. It may represent some of his political views. It may he might take it in a different direction. It's also, you know, I said to him, it's an opportunity for people to get to know him in a different way too. You know, outside the just the you know the predictable sort of you know green cliches about you know what that all that means. And then I'm talking to Kirsty Sword Gusomo, who was married to um, Shanana Gusomo, who was uh, the ex president of um, East Timor. She's a former first lady of Timor, and she works a whole lot with um, women's rights in East Timor. Has a whole lot of philanthropic initiatives on the go. So she's she's nominated some female Indigenous poets of Timor and so we're going to feature those. So that will be our first foray into actually hearing uh, a different language um, and we'll have sort of subtitles for um, the uh, the English version. So that's I'm super excited about that. It's going to be great. Unreal. From ideation, you've got your 2,000-word document and then, and then you do the voiceover. How much editing and post-production is required, music, soundscape, etc.? Yeah, fair bit. Uh, yeah, so I have like a, a subscription to a bunch of music, uh, which I have access and license to, which I use. And then I also incorporate a whole lot of different, you know, uh, I source stuff from free sounds and that sort of thing as well. But I also, whenever I do a podcast, I'm also making a video on YouTube now as well. So it's kind of like a music video. So you can go there first, you can watch, you can actually watch the, the video in a, in a more sort of tantalising way. So it's kind of multi-dimensional. So, and I've kept that up. Uh, so I haven't just completely shifted to podcasting. I've got that video element too. And so if you hit that magic thousand subscribers, you'll start to be able to monetize that YouTube channel I hear? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a slow burn, you know. Poetry takes time. And the hardest thing is you get lost down in the um, logarithm wastelands. So I'm confident. I mean, I've got th- you know, thousands of hours of views up, so it's doing well. Well, we'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, so everyone jump on it and subscribe. But yeah, that YouTube algorithm is a unique beast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. And tell us a bit about the audience that you've been acquiring over the time. I mean, do you have much interaction with them and much feedback? Yeah. So I get a bit of stuff in the comments, and the, and that, and that's always fun. It's actually a pretty diverse audience. Um, I think the demographic of it, you know, it's it's young and old. It's uh, there's certainly you know a good proportion of male and female mixed in there and I think different political bents poetry's funny that way you're like you know you get your sort of you sort of left-leaning people and your right-leaning people it's kind of a very diverse mix and that's I think that's a good thing you know I think that's a, a really good thing because then people can actually discuss things together and not the, the problem with the digital technology now is, you, is everyone gets funneled down just one little silo of thinking and that's that's not good yeah. you know so I, I'm all for, for that diversity of, of, of thoughts. It's a healthy fun. conversation. I'm all for it. Yeah. But yeah, there's always a trial. Yeah, there's always a trial. Before we jump into podcasts that you're into, if someone wants to listen and experience lit poetry, which episode would you recommend they start on? Uh, I think maybe the one I suggested before, Ocean Vong, um, Seventh Circle of Earth. I think that's a really, really fantastic poem to start on. I think it's about episode eight. I th- actually think from about episode eight onwards, there's a, a seven episodes in a row, I think I started to really get a handle on what I was trying to do. The quality through there is really, really good. We'd love to hear about some of the podcasts that have either inspired you or that you're just into generally. No surprise that there's a number of uh, poetry ones there. So I tend to like, um, so Poetry Unbound. Um, so On Being um, comes out of, uh, I think it's Massachusetts or somewhere like that. They have a, a whole raft of really good uh, podcasts. So I think they do um, one on movies, the On Being podcast with uh, Krista Tippett. And uh, Padre Atuma does the uh, Poetry Unbound. I listen to the daily poem, Philosophical Bites. I'm probably not so much going in for light entertainment. I want something juicy I can sort of chew on usually. But I'm open to discovering a whole lot of things. Yeah, I haven't got on the um, true crime bandwagon yet, so... (laughs) You're not missing out, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. I love it. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of poetry ones. Finally, um, any advice you'd have to someone wanting to start a podcast? Invest in sound and persist. I think you just need to accept that some of your early stuff's going to be pretty crappy, and that's okay. You don't get anywhere unless you produce a fair bit of crap. So, yeah, persist, and when you get a chance, think about your sound, because you need to move past uh, USB sounds. Really invest there in some in some good equipment. It doesn't have to be out-of-the-world expensive. You can get some great stuff um, pretty cheap, but it makes a big difference. If your voice is easy to listen to, That's that's a huge thing. Fantastic. Well, that's been uh, absolutely excellent. And thank you very much for your time today. I think just listening to the, the podcast, it's been great just kind of opening up to that world of poetry and finding out a bit more. And as you say, at the start, reading and writing is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. So I think it's a, it's a great little conceit for a podcast and certainly a great way to find out more about poetry. Yeah. And look, i got to thank you. I've found it. A lot of the podcasts I have to consume through work are heavy or overly opinionated or whatever they may be and i found your podcast is some blend between calm app and something that stimulates my mind so it sort of takes me to a better place and so i really appreciate you know i've really enjoyed listening to it oh that's nice of you to say so yeah great i appreciate that a lot fantastic well it's been uh, a pleasure being on here with you so yeah thanks i appreciate it